How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to Chopping at the Bit podcast. This is episode five. On this episode, we're going to cover the Eastern Conference Finals, give you a preview of what I think will happen. Um, We have a matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. This is the first year in quite a while, I believe in over 10 years, that the one or two seed haven't made a conference finals. Um, both of these teams are actually more similar than you probably would think. They both play, you know, good defense. They can shoot from the perimeter and they're well coached. So looking at this series, uh, I think the X factor for each team Uh, For the Celtics, I think it's Kemba Walker. He struggled against the Raptors in the semifinals. But I think, you know, with Miami, they won't do as many, you know, box in one as Toronto did. Where after like the second game or something, it seemed like Toronto was solely focused on Kemba Walker a lot of the time. So I think... With Miami, he will have more of an opportunity to go one-on-one. You know, get to his spots in the mid-range where he can either pull up and score or, you know, kick it out to, you know, somebody spotted in the corner or cut into the rim. For the Heat, I think their X-Factor, I mean, it's easy to go with Jimmy Butler since he is the leader. And... Yeah, I think I might cheat on this one. I'll go with uh, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, who are their you know outside shooting specialists. And if they can get into a rhythm and knock down some timely threes, I could see them leading the Heat to the finals because the Celtics are one of the best teams at defending the three. And Hero and Robinson do take a lot of threes. So that's going to be a dynamic that you'll have to watch. So with that, uh, I guess the matchup to watch in this series will be Jimmy Butler and Marcus Smart. I'm not sure Butler and Smart won't necessarily only cover each other. Because I could see uh, Jalen Brown on Butler maybe even Tatum sometimes on Butler and I could see Smart go from Butler to Hero or Drogic 
I think for the most part, you'll see the two of them, Smart and Butler, cover each other. And they're both, they're, you know, the defensive leaders for their team. They're both scrappy. They do, it's kind of the dirty work on the court. They'll stick their nose in there. They'll get rebounds. They'll get steals. And they're used, they'll, they will hit timely shots in this series. And I feel like looking at the two of them, since they are so, you know, fired up all the time, I could definitely see a couple of moments in this series where the two of them will probably jaw at each other, may get some technicals, and it'll be which one of them can come back and move on from that. Like, who can then calm themselves back down? Because they have to know that they're both important to their team's success in this series. So now, I guess kind of like the the under-the-radar player I'm looking at for each team. I'm going to go with a bench player who I think will have probably a bigger impact than you're thinking of in this series. For the Celtics, I'm looking at Grant Williams. Um, I actually think Grant Williams might get some backup center minutes when Tice has to leave the floor uh, so he can cover Adebayo or if he has to switch out onto a Jimmy Butler I think Grant Williams can handle that matchup and then for Miami I actually think their bench player would be Andre Iguodala and his impact may not even come on the floor in terms of points or rebounds or anything now, don't get me wrong Iguodala will hit the corner three if you leave him wide open or if you're not paying attention he'll get a dunk on you or something but I think with this team being so inexperienced I think they're going to be looking to him to provide that veteran leadership in the locker room, on the bench, to you know, keep emotions in check, and to make sure that you know the Heat stay focused on the floor. Um, so now, looking, well, I guess on another point with Iguodala, the bench aspect will be key as well, because as young as the Celtics team is. They've actually been to the conference finals a couple of times. So they so they know what's at stake. And they know kind of the you know, the monumentous moments that come within a conference finals where a simple dive on the floor for a loose ball or taking a charge can drastically change a series. So I think Iguodala will be key to keep Miami's head you know, level. And so then looking at the two coaches, they're very similar as well as the teams are. They're both good coaches. They kind of keep a you know, calm demeanor on the sideline. They will both get fired up when needed. Uh, they're both good play callers. Um, they seem to have a good 
like finger on the pulse of their team. So for me, it's what would a series win do for each of them? Uh, you know, Brad Stevens has been touted as a good young coach. I mean, he's been with the Celtics for, uh, I would say, seven years now. But he's seen as like the next generation of coaches to kind of be in the running for the best coach in the NBA. And I think a berth in the finals would do wonders for Steven's uh, profile as he's been, like I said, to the conference finals a couple of times. Hasn't gotten over the hump yet. Uh, he's still trying to get over the second Kyrie Irving year, which was disastrous from the beginning. Uh, I think some people were questioning whether he is the type of coach that can, you know, take a team to the finals when there's expectations there. Uh, so this will be a good opportunity for him to show that, you know, he can manage superstars because he has Brown and Tatum, which are, you know, on the come up in terms of superstar conversations. You have Kemba Walker, who's, you know, a big name in the NBA. You have Gordon Hayward. So you have some personalities there. Spolstra, I think a birth in the finals would do a lot for him as well. Uh, you know, he has a, he has some rings already, but I don't know if he gets as much uh, credit as he should because he got a couple of, well, you know, a couple of rings with LeBron. Then he had a ring with D. Wade and Shaq. That was him. Uh, so, in the, those LeBron years, he was kind of seen as just like an assistant to LeBron being the actual coach on the team. Even though, you know, Pat Riley has kept Spolster there in Miami for a while now. And Riley, I don't think would give up Spolster for anything right now. So they're both, like I said, good coaches. A berth in the finals would do a lot for them, for their profile to be, you know, not, not necessarily the best coach in the league. I feel like that's still Popovich down in San Antonio and there's a couple others out there who were in the top five but I think Stevens and Spolstra whichever team wins this can make an argument for being a top five coach in the NBA today um, so now okay so question that I have is because I feel like Jimmy Butler is an interesting guy in terms of like where do you rank him in the NBA today? So if Jimmy Butler were to lead the Heat to the finals, where does he fall in the hierarchy? I guess depending on where you have him now, you would think he'd have to move up a little bit. And then, of course, if he were to lead a heat to a title, he'd have to 
you know, vault even more. So I think for me, if if Butler gets the heat to the finals, I think at that point he's top twenty-five for sure. If he can get them to the finals and win it, I don't know if he would jump top fifteen. I think that'd be way too high. But I would probably still keep him in that 20 to 25 range. But if you wanted to argue that he's in the 15 to 20 range, I think that's a conversation that can be had. And I think that's only because if you look at Philadelphia, he went to Philly. They were, you know, that Kawhi Leonard shot away from advancing and who knows if they might have been the team to take advantage of Golden State when, you know, KD got hurt, Clay got hurt, and won a title there. You never know. And then now he's been in Miami. They've turned into a top, you know, four team in the East. I mean, now you can say top two as they're in the conference finals. And depending on. You know what happens with uh, how Mel- how Milwaukee comes back next year, or Toronto, or Indian, uh, um, Indiana. Can Philly put it together? I mean, you have Brooklyn, where you have KD and Kyrie both coming back next year. The Heat can probably string together a little run here of like three, four years where they're constantly in the conference final conversation. So. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. I think I think right now, as it stands before these conference finals start, I think for me, Butler's a probably twenty-five to thirty-five in the ranking. I definitely think he can easily at the end of the season be top 25. And I guess with that, looking on the other side, so let's say the Celtics get past the heat, finally make the finals with this kind of young group that they have right now, potentially win it. 
should you consider Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as like a top five duo in the NBA right now? I mean, I think it's a tough one, you know, because you're looking at your obvious choices are like LeBron and AD. I would guess, you know, Kawhi, Paul George. You know, Paul George has struggled early in the playoffs. Kind of has played better recently. Uh, you're looking at maybe Doncic and Porzingis in Dallas. Dame and CJ Portland. I'm just naming top duos here. I'm not ranking them right now. Which I mean, I guess ranking duos is something that we can revisit future episode. I'd have to actually look around and see which duos are out there before I can make a list. Uh, You still have, you know, Harden and Westbrook. Let's see. Embiid Simmons. Mm. I mean, I would definitely take Tanner Brown over Embiid and Simmons. You can make that known right now. But if you look around, there are some duos out there in the NBA now that you can definitely fill a top five with and get no argument from me. Uh, but. I kind of think if they get past the heat, you'd have to look at Tame and Brown as top five. Because I believe this would be their second trip. Well, it's their second trip to the conference finals right now. You have Tatum, 22. Brown, 23. You've seen the growth in each of their games where Tatum, when he first came in, he had an offensive game. He's a great, you know, ISO one-on-one player. He can shoot the three. I think defense, he was kind of an average defensive player when he first came in. But now that you look at him, his assists are slowly going up. So that means he's doing more playmaking Uh, defensively. He's playing much better defense now where you can put him on a guy who he's, you know, a top weapon on the other team and not feel like he'll get undressed. You can actually leave him out there on an island against a guy and be confident that he can hold his own and force a tough shot. I mean, Jalen Brown's probably had the biggest growth of any player in the league he went from you know being drafted in the top five by the Celtics and a lot of people thinking it was a bad pick because he was seen as a guy who was just a slasher who may never develop a jump shot has the potential to be a decent defender but 
is that top five pick worthy? But as you can see now, you can see the work he's put in his game. He's become a way better ball handler than when he was a rookie. I mean, when he first came in, there were a lot of times you'd give him the ball in the wing. He would try to make a drive. He'd lose the ball either off his leg or somebody would strip him. But now, I mean, he can, he has a you know pretty good dribble package where he can get around players. Uh, he's always been able to finish around the rim. He can still do that. But that jump shot that a lot of people thought he couldn't develop when he was in college, he's done way better than a lot of them could have seen where he's a confident three-point shooter. Uh, he shoots, I want to say, I believe he shot mid to high 30% this year from behind the arc. He can. He shoots, I believe, around 80% from the free throw line. He can pull up from the mid-range. He can post up, give you a post move and get a shot. I mean, he, like Tatum, plays great defense out in the perimeter. You can put them on the other team's uh, scorer and feel confident leaving them out there on the guy. They they also are both uh, versatile on defense where in today's NBA where it's a lot of pick and roll to create mismatches between uh, like bigger men and guards. Both of them can switch out and play uh, you know, quick forward or stay in front of a point guard. And in some cases, depending on who the big man is, uh, they can take a big man and guard him in the paint and at least give them some type of resistance. Uh, we saw that in the Toronto series where Siakam tried backing down Jalen Brown around the hoop, but Brown stood his ground and forced tough shot after tough shot. So, I think that's a conversation that uh, we can definitely have once this series is over and see, actually probably before the series is over because in terms of duos right now, I know for sure you can't tell me 10 duos you'd have over these two. And maybe right now some of you may have them in your top five already. I don't know. But I think this series is going to be very interesting. It's going to be, you know, knockout, drag out fight. Both teams, you know, are going to leave it on the floor each and every game. So whichever team does win this series is going to be a hard-fought win. And it may uh, actually be a benefit to that team that does win going to the next series because at that point you're in the finals and the finals are a whole different animal on their own as well. So, so yeah, I'm definitely interested. Um, Excited to see this series. One, being a Celtics fan, to see if they can 
get back to the finals. But also just as an NBA fan, you're looking at two teams that, like I said, depending on what happens in Milwaukee with Giannis and those pieces up there and with Toronto, these two teams could be your Eastern rival, like Eastern rivalry for the next three, four years easy. I could see that. And I think, you know, a couple of good rivalries in the NBA is something that they, you know, need, you know, pretty badly right now. Like some teams have some bad blood, but I don't know if you'd really call them a rivalry yet. But these two here, I could see a rivalry starting to build. And it's actually been the, the groundwork has been laid for the rivalry back when LeBron was there and you had the Celtics big three Pierce Garnett and Ray Allen and then Ray Allen goes to Miami there's a lot of hatred there between the two teams so I think this could be a restart on that rivalry so I guess with that that's kind of my preview of the series so, you know, where you're listening to this, you could put uh, who you think is going to win down in the comment section. Uh, any of the topics I touched on, like who you think your X Factor is, which matchup are you looking forward to? I gave you Smart versus Butler. There's other matchups to look at. Uh, you know, you have Autobio versus Tice, which would be interesting to watch down low but uh, all things considered I mean you may think this is a homer pick but I will pick give me the Celtics in 6 yeah I actually feel pretty confident about that but yeah so with that I think that's a good place to end our Eastern Conference talk on that but coming up in I would say probably the next episode by that point the Western Conference Finals will be set as we have Game 7 between the Clippers and Nuggets which has been a crazy series all on its own touch on that in the Western Conference Finals preview Um, and then we'll dive into that series between the Lakers and the winner of Clippers Nuggets the same way broke down the Eastern Conference Finals we're going to do that for the Western Conference as well Uh, and yeah I'll give you a prediction on that series as well which then will lead to my NBA Finals prediction but um, also Another episode coming down the line. I will touch back on my picks for week one in the NFL. The five picks I gave you. We'll see how well I did with those. Uh, We'll also get ready for week two as well. And yeah, but like I said, this has been 
Chop at the Bit podcast. Uh, please like, subscribe, follow, drop a comment. You know how it is. And I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Had a lot of fun with this one. But um, but yeah. So appreciate you tuning in. You know, if you like the podcast, you know, go ahead and spread the word. Let other people know. But, but yeah, this has been the episode and hope you guys stay safe, be well, and definitely catch you on the next episode. All right. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 